great. Thank you, Stan. You did great. And by the way, here's Tracy over there, finally, Stan's wife. Raise your hand, Tracy. Hire. There we go. All right. Well, we're going to talk about wisdom again today because we need wisdom. I think there is a great wisdom deficit in our generation, and there is a great wisdom deficit often, too often, in the church. It's easy to get knowledge. You can have a very high IQ and do very dumb things. High IQ does not guarantee good decisions. You can have tons of data, but no wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given to him, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven of the wind, and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord, because the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Well, wisdom keeps you from being unstable. We're going to talk today about our favorite subject, waiting. How many of you like waiting? I want to meet you. Anybody in here like waiting? Raise your hand if you really like it. Nobody likes it, right? Let's read uh, these passages. You know these verses. These are probably the favorite verses of all time on the subject of waiting. Even the young people shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall fall utterly. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, whether you're old or young. All right? And what, what does the waiter on God experience? They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be out of breath. So here you are. You're an, older, you're an older person, and all the young people around you are dropping like flies, but you're filled with strength because you waited on God. Isn't that powerful? That's great. That's good. Now, let's pray together. Father, teach us to wait. Teach us to trust you. Teach us, Lord, just to go according to your timing and your will and your pace. In Jesus' name. Say with me, patience is the pace of the race. Turn to somebody and tell them, hang on, God's coming through. You can be seated. Now, one of the hardest things in life is to wait. I don't like waiting, and I know you don't like waiting. And sometimes it's even harder to wait on God because we don't understand why he's taking so long. But learning to wait on God is exceedingly wise. That's why I'm calling this the wisdom of waiting on God. Waiting on God will save you many a tear, many a regret, many a heartache. Anybody in here ever gotten in a rush and jumped ahead of God and regretted it? Anybody in here never, never done that? I want to meet you if you've never done that. Okay. We don't like waiting a lot of our modern inventions, as a matter of fact, most of them that we think are just great, we think they're great because they were designed to get us things faster without the wait. We got frozen dinners. We got microwave ovens. We've got instant coffee. 
which is not of God. All you got to do is taste it and you know. I don't care what they say about it. We have powdered orange juice, tang. Instant cameras, cliff notes, freeways, expressways, cell phones, pagers, beepers, all to get what we want faster. We don't like waiting in traffic. I despise traffic. In line at the supermarket, we don't like it. We wonder why the person in front of us is paralyzed and not moving quicker, right? And sometimes you even give them the look. We don't like waiting at the airport. We don't like it when our computers are too slow. They're always looking to make a faster computer. Our motto really is give it to me quick or forget about it. We talk all the time, get around people and just listen. We talk all the time about having our plates too full, living in the fast lane, not having enough hours in the day. I was telling the first service, I love fall backward because you gain an hour. I wish we could do fall back every week. <laughs> Spring forward, I feel like I'm catching up the rest of the year. I'd love to have an extra hour every day, but that's because we're in such a rush, isn't it? And running a race, we're all in that race that even the rat can't win. We want to slow down, but we're afraid if we slow down, our world will go kaput without us. But here's the funny thing. One day you're all going to slow down, all of us, permanently. And the world's going to go on just fine without us. Our prayers go something like this. Lord, give me patience and please do it today. Have you ever realized, listen, gifts are sown, fruit is grown. Patience is not a gift, it's a fruit. I wish God could just drop it on me, but no, I've got to learn patience because it's grown, it's not sown. The last thing we are taught to do in our culture is wait for anything. We don't like it. But here's the deal, here's the fact of life, most of life, or more life than not is waiting on something, somewhere. We're waiting all the time. Have you ever stopped to think about it? If you can't put on patience before you walk out the door, you're going to have a very bad day in this world. Waiting for the appointment to see the doctor in the waiting room. Waiting to graduate. Waiting to be accepted in college, waiting for our first job offer, waiting for God to move in our life and answer to prayer, waiting for the bank to give us a loan. Are they going to or aren't they? Waiting for loved ones to come to Christ or to change in a way that we wish they would. Waiting to find out what God wants us to do, waiting for somebody to buy our house, waiting for prayers to be answered, waiting for our children to finally sell out to Jesus, Waiting, waiting, waiting. Have you ever noticed that for every green light, there's five yellows and ten reds? And, and, and you're like Kathy. Kathy always says, I don't know what it is, but when I come up to a light, it turns red. I never find a green one. I say, it's all right, Kathy. It's just a delusion. It's not really true. But it does seem this way when she's driving. God's trying to teach her something. And I know this, that, that, that many people here today are in a season of waiting. You didn't choose to be, but you're in a season of waiting. You're having to wait. 
You really don't know what else to do but wait. You're waiting for a word or you're waiting for a move of God or you're waiting for something. And, and it's taken long enough now that you're wrestling with God. Like Jacob in the midnight hour wrestling, wondering what's up. Am I not praying enough? Am I not confessing enough? Am I not righteous enough? What's, what's, what's holding it up? And we're asking that question to God. What's taking you so long? Why are you making me wait, Lord? What's wrong? Are you even listening to me? Doesn't feel like it. When you're having to wait where you've really had to wait in your waiting and wait and wait, that is not just an inconvenience. It becomes almost painful. Because the longer you wait, the more it becomes a test of our character and a test of our faith. Will we wait on God or will we take matters into our own hands? Will we wait on God or will our faith faint? Will we wait on God, trust God, keep on hanging on? Or are we just going to say, forget it? A test of our character, test of what we believe about God, a test of God in our life, waiting. And you know, sometimes people that are having to wait panic. Abraham and Sarah panicked. They said, we're getting old. We're supposed to have a child. So they hatched a plan. He went in, had relations with Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, and the world is embroiled in conflict and tumult today because of that decision. Because in refusing to wait and thinking they needed to help God out, can I tell you something today? God doesn't need any help. He doesn't need any help in bringing his plan to pass. As a matter of fact, the less we help, the better off we'll be. He doesn't need our help. He needs our faith, but not our help. So Ishmael was born, and some of you, you've got an Ishmael in your life. It's there because you couldn't wait, and you took matters into your own hands, and you made some decisions that you're having to live with to this day. That's the danger of not waiting, and that is the wisdom of waiting. We need to learn to wait on God. Father knows best. He hasn't left us. Thousands of believers act rashly all the time because they cannot wait. They say, well, you know, my watch tells me he's late. But God is never late. He's right on time. When you search the scriptures, it's amazing how many times you find God telling his people, hence us, to wait. Psalms 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The Hebrew actually reads, wait in faith on the Lord. You don't wait like you're at a bus stop, impatient, where's the bus? You don't wait like this, looking up at God with a furrowed brow. No, you wait in faith. Wait in faith for the Lord. Wait in faith on the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait in faith for the Lord. Psalms 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord. In other words, whoa, boy, be still and wait patiently for him. When we're tempted to take matters in our own hands, Proverbs 20, verse 22 says, do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong, but wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. He saw what was done to you. He saw the way they treated you. He saw what has taken place. And he says, don't take matters into your own hands. Wait for the Lord. He will deliver you. Bible examples of people that, that waited on the Lord successfully, 
abound. Here's a few of them. Abraham and Sarah, except for the Ishmael mistake, Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for Isaac. And he was born to them in their old age that nobody could get the glory but God. That's one of the big reasons he tells you and I to wait. He waits until when he finally does come through, nobody can get the glory but God. He wants the glory. Noah waited over 100 years, over a century for the flood. And it finally came. And then the waters receded according to the promise of God. He waited for all of that. Joseph waited over a decade for his time and power, for his dreams to be fulfilled. Jesus waited 30 years for his ministry to be launched. And it says in the fullness of time, Jesus came and was born. Mary and Martha, they didn't wait well, but they waited for Jesus to show up when Lazarus had died. When he had been dead four days, when Jesus finally walked up, they told him what for. These two ladies told him what for. Where have you been? If you only, only you'd been here, it would have been okay. But now you're too late. But Jesus said, you don't understand my timing. Because I showed up because I'm going to do something that is going to give me such glory. It's going to go down in the Holy Bible for ages to come. I'm going to raise your brother from the dead, which is way more powerful than healing him. And often God tells us to wait because what we want him to do is so inferior to what he really intends to do. So he tells us to wait. And as we wait upon the Lord, we find a better plan, a better idea, a better destiny, something better and stronger that God wanted to do that we would never have known about if we hadn't waited on God. The disciples had to wait for the falling of the Holy Spirit. And they waited in the upper room, and 120 of them prayed. And after days and days, the Spirit of God fell in power after they waited on the Lord. And guess what? We're all today waiting for what has been promised to us, that one day the trumpet will blow, and Jesus is going to come. Can I tell you, church, don't believe anybody who tells you he's not coming back. The Bible predicted that there would be a great, great chunk of humanity who would be saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things are going on as they have from the beginning of time. But Peter said a day to the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. He said one day the trumpet is going to blow. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us who are alive together and still walking around on this planet will be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that's the promise of God. And so the Word of God says, wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait patiently. Wait in faith. Now, the Hebrew word for wait means to bind together by twisting. If I had a chain here, just a chain, a link chain, and I took a kite string, I could break that kite string easily with my bare hands. But if I wrap that kite string around that chain, that kite string becomes as strong as the chain it's wrapped around. The Bible is telling us that those that wait in faith on the Lord become as strong as He is because we are wrapped 
around the Lord. Like a rope that is comprised of several smaller ropes, we cleave to the Lord in our waiting. We wrap ourselves around Him and wrap our faith around His promises, and nothing can break us as we wait. Wait upon the Lord. Waiting also means I wait with expectancy. I'm expecting. We have women in our church who are expecting. They're pregnant. You're looking at a man who is about eight months pregnant spiritually. I'm starting to waddle. There's things I see coming that are about to be born. You say, that's weird, Pastor Jeff. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, when God gives you a vision, you get pregnant with vision. You get pregnant with what you are expecting. I am expecting. I'm an expecting Christian. And every believer in here ought to be expecting, like a woman pregnant with a child. You ought to be expecting. You ought to be expecting, walking in expectation. What are you expecting God to do? You ought to be expecting good to come from the hand of the Lord, breakthrough to come from the hand of the Lord, healing to come from the hand of the Lord, deliverance to come from the hand of the Lord. You ought to be expecting. Some of you have had your dreams aborted from you. The devil is the abortionist. God is the conceiver. Get your dream back. God's given you a vision, a dream, a purpose, a destiny. Don't let hard times or disappointments or setbacks abort your dream. We're to patiently, faithfully, hopefully hold on to God's promises, expecting that He's going to do great things. I tell you, you're in an expectant church. We are so expecting to have so many babies. We're preparing all week long. Oh, yeah. We're expecting for children to be born, children of God to be born, people to find the Lord Jesus in this sanctuary, people to find Jesus via the radio show, via television, via wherever God sends us. We're expecting children. Are you expecting Now, the reason it's sometimes so difficult for many who wait upon the Lord to do so, the reason it's so hard to just, okay, I trust you, Lord. I, I just give to you my dream, and I give to you my vision, and I give to you my prayer, and I give to you my request, and, and now I'm just waiting on you. The reason it's so hard is revealed in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. I love this passage because it tells us something about God. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Right there, God is informing us that he's not like us. And we're not like him. His thoughts are higher. His ways are different. His timing is not our timing. His methods are not our methods. His ways are not our ways. And guess what? He always wins. So he's telling us, I'm God and you're not. How many of you are glad that you're not God? I'm glad I'm not God. I'm glad to give God the job of being God. God says, I'm God and you're not. And let me tell you about me. When I think thoughts, they're way higher than anything you're going to think about. When I do something, it's going to be in ways that you would not understand. 
I am working behind the scenes in ways that you're not aware of because my ways are higher than yours, better than yours, superior to yours. My thoughts, my timing, I'm not going to move according to your calendar. I'm not going to bow according to your watch. I move in my own sovereign time. I'm God and you're not. Now this being so, how did the Bible people, like Abraham and Sarah and David and the prophets, how did they all, how did they successfully wait on God? I'm going to tell you three simple things that help them to wait on God. Let me ask this question. How many of you in here are waiting on God? That's most everybody here. How many of you have been waiting a long time? How many of you have been frustrated in your waiting? Oh, I got the right audience today. And our radio listeners, I'm sure a bunch of them are raising their hands too. Now watch this. In each case, when I look at the Bible, in each case, when somebody was waiting on God, here's how they did it successfully. They trusted God's promises. They trusted God's character. And they trusted God's timing. Promises, character, timing. Now, first, let me talk to you about trusting his promises. Here's what we're told about Abraham, who, again, waited 25 years for Isaac to be born. By the time Isaac was born, he was an old man. Sarah was an old woman. He was 100. She was 90. They had a child by the power of God so that no man could take the glory. Listen to what tells us about Abraham, though. Hebrews 6, verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, that means waited on God, he obtained the promise. Now that tells me that what kept Abraham going all those years, as he watched his body age and her body age, as they knew they passed the childbearing age, what kept Abraham going, what his anchor was for his faith, was the promise of of God. God had made a promise. And I want to tell you what this Bible is. This Bible is a book of promises. It is filled with the promises of God. You want to go treasure hunting for a promise? Almost let it fall open on any page and you will find the promises of God. God has promised you and I many, many things. Here's what God had promised Abraham. Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. Well, you can't be multiplied without children. So he said, I'm going to have a child. But as God said, I'm going to have a child, you're going to have a child. As God spoke that to him, then the Bible says that year turned into year, turned into years and years more. And Abraham and Sarah waited and waited and waited, and nothing was taking place. No child was conceived. But they anchored their soul on the promise of God. When you're waiting on God, 
There's a promise for whatever your need is. Let's just say you need God to provide for you. Lord, we got bills to pay. We got to have bread on the table. What is the promise of God? Before you ask for it, I already know what you need. Seek first my kingdom and all those things are going to be added unto you. My name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides. I'll never fail you, never forsake you, never walk out on you, never leave you, never turn away from you. I will always be there. When others walk out, I will walk in. I am a brother, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm there. So we have promises. So when I'm waiting on God, as Abraham waited on God, he said, I've got one anchor. It's the promise of God. And that promise of God empowers me to wait. And I can wait in faith for the Lord. Did you know that since 9-11, written on the fire trucks of New York City are these words, we will never forget And do you know that written on the side of every one of the promises of God is I will never forget. Oh, church, that's good news. He watches over his word to perform it. He said, I'm watching over my promises. And there's my child down there believing me for for provision, believing me for healing, believing me for deliverance, believing me for this, that, or the other. He says, now I'm watching over my promise to perform it. God is at work. God is a God who promises that he'll remember his promises. Amen? So here's, here's Abraham and all the other saints in the Bible saying, I've got a promise and I'm hanging, hanging on to it. And that's how I wait successfully. I don't wait impatiently. I don't wait doubtfully. I don't wait angrily. I wait in faith because I've got a promise. But then, waiting on God also means we must trust His character. A promise is only as good as is the character and the integrity of the promiser. I think all of us in here have been lied to, haven't we? We've all been lied to. We've all had somebody say, I promise I'll do this or I'll do that. And they broke that covenant, broke that promise. And we've learned to be very cynical when somebody promises us something. But that's why God said, listen, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. What did he mean by that? The world gives and it takes back gives and it takes back. He said, that's not the way I give. When I give, you get to keep it. When I give, it's yours. When I give, I don't turn around and and take my word back. I keep my promises. I'm good because my character is good. We must believe that God is good. We say all the time, God is good. And all the time, you know, that's such a healthy statement because Abraham said, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? That means that God is good, God is just, God is a good God, God is a faithful God, and we've got to believe, listen, it matters what you believe about God. What do you believe about God? I talk to people who don't walk with God, and they almost invariably tell me something bad about God. Do you know how Satan got Eve to fall? He attacked the character of God in her mind. He said, Eve, God's really holding back from you. God's holding out on you. God doesn't want you to have the best. He doesn't want you to be like him. He's cheating you, Eve. And as she believed a bad report about God, 
she fell. Did you know that the devil is the same today? He'll tell you God doesn't see your need. God doesn't care about your need. God's not listening to you. God's not going to help you. God will understand if you kind of walk away and take matters into your own hands. And as we doubt the character of God, we fall. Look at any time you have fallen in your life. I guarantee you there was a doubt about God's provision or God's goodness before you fell. That's why the Bible is so clear that our God is a good God. Hebrews eleven six says, He that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is something that we need to believe about him, a rewarder. A rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's telling me about God's character. God is a rewarder. That's telling us about his character. If I seek him, he won't burn me. If I seek him, he will not sell me short. If I seek him, he will reward me, and I will see the goodness of God. I will not seek him in vain. I will not pray in vain. I won't go to church in vain. But God will reward me. So he doesn't just reward. He is a rewarder. That's part of his character. Jeremiah tells us, that a good God has good plans for us. Let me give some of you a newsflash. God's not against you. Well, pastor, if you knew what I had done, let me tell you, God knew what you did, and God took it all out on the cross. God took all the wrath and all the anger for it on the cross. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his only son, but gave him up for us. Will he not freely give us all good things? Because he's a good God. Jeremiah said, God spoke through Jeremiah. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you a future. That's a good God. He said, I'm thinking about you. You're on my mind. And here's what I'm thinking. I want to do something good. I want to do something that will bless your future, that will bless you in the days to come. I want to put a spring in your step, a smile on your face. I'm a good God. I want happy children. Jesus spent a lot of time talking about the good character of God. He changed the way we saw God. Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts at Christmas time or wherever to your children, toys and good things, he says, so will your heavenly Father who loves you and is not evil give good things and give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You know, it's a great day when you wake up and realize God's not against you. He's for you. He's pulling for you. He's on your side. He is rooting for you. He's changing you. So Abraham had to believe not only in a promise, but in the promiser. I know that my God, even though I am dead, even though Sarah and I are past childbearing age, I know that my God is a good God and he can do anything. And that's why Isaac was named laughter because they laughed with joy over what God had done. I can't wait in confidence on somebody I don't trust. And my trust grows in a person as I come to know them. Do you know that God is good? Really, do you know that? Not only did Abraham trust the promise of God and the promiser, 
But he finally had to wait on God's timing. That's the hardest part. And this is my favorite part. Because me and God's timing almost never get along. Me and God's timing, how many times have I had issues with God about his timing? All the time. Me and God's timing, because God takes way longer than I think he should. Now, how many of you have ever prayed a prayer? You thank God he did not answer. Because at the time you prayed it, you were saying, come on, God, I know this is right. Do it now. And God said, wait. You know, God answers every prayer. He says yes, or he says no, or he says wait, or he says you've got to be kidding me. But he answers every prayer. Yes, no, or wait. I'll do it, but you're going to have to wait. I want you to learn to wait on me. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, I love it. It says, there is a time, a timing for every purpose under heaven. God has a time. He is a God of timing, impeccable timing. When God says, here's my ways, I'm a God of timing. And there is a time for every single purpose under heaven. And that timing happens in a season. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. You've got a timing and you've got a season. God's timings happen in the right season. God answers our prayer in the right season and the right time. He answers every purpose that he's got, every purpose. He said there is a time for everything. Now, I'm the type, I want what God has for me right now. I want tomorrow's blessings today. I want next year's blessings today. I want to be where I should be five years from now. I want to be there today. And God has had talks with me. Now, I say there's an 11th commandment. The 11th commandment is thou shalt not sweat it. But God says to me, these words, Jeff, chill out. That's the revised Wickwire slanted version. Jeff, chill out. When I'm pulling at the reins and I'm wanting to jump ahead of God and I, want, and I don't understand his timing, he says, would you just chill out? Walk with me and obey me as I lead you. And I'll bring, your, I'll bring every event into your life that you need in your life in the time that I'm going to give you for your life. So just chill. Don't worry. Be happy. I cycle. You know, I love to cycle. And, and I've noticed this about myself. I've noticed that as soon as I start, I'm thinking of the end. As soon as I start, I'm timing myself and competing against myself. Can I do it a little bit faster than I did last time? And I'm shooting for the finish line. And one day the Lord said to me, look at you. Look at that beautiful river off to your right. Look at the flowers. Look at the birds. Look at the trees. Look at all the people. And all you can think about is reaching the end. You're not enjoying the journey. And life is the journey. It's not the destination. It's the journey. Listen, life is all about the journey. The destinations don't happen very often. So cycling and out of breath and all red and sweating, God says, Jeff, chill. Put it in a lower gear. And so I do. And, oh, there's that river and that view. But then if somebody passes me, I'm gone again. Because <laughs> I will not be passed. <laughs> but there's other people. My wife says, I know that's right. <laughs> you think you can pass me? No. Watch this now. 
There's other people who are just the opposite. God's got to say to some people, don't just stand there, do something. Those four lepers sitting outside of Samaria said to each other, why sit we here until we die? Some of you need to ask yourself that question. Why are you sitting here until you die? Not here, but wherever here is for you. You need to get up and do something. Move in faith. Some of you have been standing there waiting for your ship to come in. And I got news for you. It's already come in, sat there a while, and left. <laughs> but there's three simple things I want you to know about God's timing. And I want to close with this. Real simple things. Catch this. We've got to understand God's timing. Abraham said, I trust your promise. I trust your character. And I trust your timing. What did he know about the timing of God? It's sovereign. That means he's in control. You can't twist God's arm and make God do something outside of his timing. Jesus came in the fullness of time, though they waited centuries and centuries for his arrival. It says in Galatians, he came in the fullness of time. There's a timing for every purpose in your life, and it'll come in the right season. So it's sovereign. Second thing about God's timing is it's sufficient. It's sufficient for the hour. You may not have everything you want, but you've got everything you need because God will never leave you and never forsake you. It's sufficient for the hour. No matter the season, you will have enough. You may not have abundance, but you'll have enough. Third thing about God's timing, it is seasonal. So important. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Life is seasonal. Your life is seasonal. Mine is seasonal. To everything there is a season. And, and God is telling us that he will perform his will in the context of the various seasons our lives are in. There's a time to be born, time to die, time to pick up stones, time to throw away stones, time to be at war, time to be at peace. He goes through all those different things in Ecclesiastes, talking about seasons of life. We have fall, winter, spring, summer in the natural life. You have the same things in your life, spiritually speaking. The fall of life is when the old begins to fade. The leaves that are green turn to brown. They pass away. They drop off. They fall to make way for what will be new. So the fall is a time for change. In the winter of life, it seems like everything has died. You look out your window in the wintertime, there's no life. Everything seems to be dead. But the wintertime of our life is the time for preparation. Not much is happening. God is telling you to prepare because something will be happening. So in the, in the wintertime, you prepare. Time for change, time for preparation. In the spring of life, new things spring up and we realize all is not lost. New beginnings is springtime. You can be in the fall, you can be in the winter, you can be in the spring of your life. Everything may look dead right now, it's the time to prepare. It may look like Little green buds are starting to appear. It's springtime. It's a time for a new beginning. In the summer of life, 
Things come into their full glory and power. It's the time for great harvest. Right now our church is reaching summer. We're about to bring in a great harvest. I don't know where you are in your life, fall, winter, spring, summer, but you're in a season. And God is saying, my purposes will be fulfilled according to the season you're in. So you can know God's will and really be right about it, but it's not the season for it to come to pass. So God says, I want you to wait upon the Lord. I want you to wait upon the Lord and prepare and trust me. I've got it. It's in my hands. You are not missing me. It's okay. I want you to understand the season of life you're in and make the most of your season. There were times, man, when I was called to preach, it drove me nuts. I have squirrels that were saved because I preached in the woods because there was nobody to listen to me. It's true. The Word of God was stirring in me, burning in my bones like a fire. And I used to look up and say, Lord, here I am. I'm young. I just graduated from college. Bless God, don't you see that? And the whole world's going to hell. Why can't you open a door for me? Nothing. And so I had to go vent somewhere, went out into the woods, preached Isaiah, preached Jeremiah, preached to any bird, any squirrel, anything that would listen to me. What was God saying? It's preparation time. Prepare, you're going to need it. So then finally the season came, spring. And it was new beginnings. And my first door to do my first church opened up. And I realized those years when it was winter, I needed every sentence of every word from the Word of God I ever read. I needed it for what was going to be required of me. You've got to trust the seasons. Are you in winter? Are you in fall? Are you in spring? Are you in summer? God's hearing you. So Abraham said, well, I know it's God's will for me to have a child, but it's not the season. And one day, winter became spring. Abraham, guess what? What, babe? I think I'm pregnant. What? I, I, I think I'm pregnant. Springtime. Woohoo! All things are possible to God. And then came the summer, the full harvest. Isaac, the messianic lineage, was born. God's in charge. Can we stand together today? Say with me, I trust His promise. I trust His character. And I trust His timing. Father, we just thank You right now that, Lord, we can trust Your promise while we wait. We can trust Your character. You are good. We can trust your timing. It's always best. I want us to have a time right now, before we go today, of surrendering to God our angst, our worry, our 
trouble and say, Lord, I, just, I trust you. I trust your promise, your character, and your timing. Why don't you have a time of surrender to place it in his hand? Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for this congregation. If you needed this today and you want to do this right now, lift your hand and say, Lord, I trust your timing, your character, your promise. I lay it in your hand. Thank you that you're in charge and I'm not. Amen. I surrender all.